And welcome to the first episode of the KI Prime podcast. More on this acronym in just a moment. Let me first introduce myself. My name is Alina Jenkins. I'm a presenter and journalist for the BBC, and I'll be your host for this podcast series. I'm also an affiliate of the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, and this is where our story begins. Situated on the outskirts of Stockholm, it's Sweden's most highly ranked university and one of the most prestigious in the world within the areas of medicine and health. Many will know about KI because of its long-standing relationship with the Nobel Prize, and it's through this connection that the Karolinska Institutet has gained a unique insight into medical research findings around the globe. Medical research and training plays a vital role at KI. The university is one of Sweden's largest centres for both training and research, and this brings us to an important point. Medical education as a research field is a relatively new speciality and very much unexplored around the globe. It's an important area to study because sooner or later we all become patients. The quality of the care we receive depends on the skills of the health professionals who treat us. The foundation for this competence is the quality of the education they receive. Medical practice is continuously assessed and improved by research. Similarly, medical education must be research-based, testing innovations as well as current practices. What's interesting is whilst there are numerous awards and prizes for medical excellence, there is limited recognition for those doing outstanding research in the field of medical and health education. And this brings us neatly back to the acronym I mentioned at the beginning. KI Prime stands for the Karolinska Institutet Prize for Research in Medical Education. It's a major international prize for outstanding research in this area and was created to recognise and stimulate high-quality research in the field and to honour scientists who've made a significant contribution to medical and healthcare education. In this first podcast, we'll find out more about this prestigious award and the passion and commitment of the people who made it happen. The following episodes will explore the researchers who actively inspire, challenge and change this still largely unexplored field, that is, the KI Fellows. More about them later. Now back to the prize and its origins. Whilst this podcast is very much science-based, none of this would have been possible were it not for the love of art. Back in 1956, two young medical students went on their first date to see what would eventually become the Moderna Museet in Stockholm to see Picasso's Guernica. From that initial outing developed a love not just for each other, but also for art and science, which would span a lifetime. The two young students were Gunnar Hogland and Anastina Malmberg, and over the years they became well-respected medics and teachers with a lifelong connection with KI they were also avid art collectors. In the late 50s, Stockholm was an important art centre with artists from all over the world heading to the capital, which led to many artists initially becoming better known in Sweden than in their own native countries. With a palpable buzz around this new and exciting art scene, several galleries offered discounts to students, especially for buying art prints. 
Gunnar and Anastina found themselves happily caught up in it all. Their focus on art collection resulted in them spending much of their free time in the company and homes of many well-known artists of the 1960s and 70s, artists such as Fontana and Warhol. Warhol even offered to paint Anastina's portrait, an invitation she later regretted turning down. Over the years, they became Sweden's most prominent collectors of art, those early discounted prints eventually proving to be a very good investment. Jürgen Larsson is a professor of surgery and dean emeritus at KI, as well as a former member of the Nobel Assembly. He's also the chair of the Gunnar Hogland and Anastina Malmberg Foundation and knew them both for many years. Both of them, it was a combination of, um, of Gunnar and Anastina, I think, who created this because they had, they had a vision from the beginning. They, they actually, when they met, I think they were 1956 or something like that, very early. They created a partnership between them and, and set some goals, which is very unusual, I think. And as you know, they didn't get any children, but they had uh, other goals in life, which were so important. And one of the three, four goals they had it was to, uh, to support education and to support art and to combine them to get the goal. Because the first evening we met at the um, art gallery and the owner of the art gallery told me that, oh, do you know that uh, Gunnar and Anastasia bought their first painting in Stockholm? Or they didn't have any money. They, they borrowed some money and bought it for one to two, two thousand Swedish crowns. And they, then they started to achieve one of their goals, uh, to combine art and education, to, to, to try to, uh, and, and, and to use the resources from, from buying art. So this, this painting went from 2,000 Swedish crowns to one, one million or more, the, their first painting. So, so they had some, they were planning thoroughly for how to develop certain areas to be physicians, to do some research, to focus on education and art and combine that for getting resources for this prize, for example. But he was very focused and, uh, and very nice and wanted to achieve some goals in his life. That's unusual, I think. Gunnar and Anastina's much-admired and respected art collection is what made the funding for KI Prime possible. A notable sum was raised through the auction of a number of important pieces, and this generous donation has allowed a significant monetary prize to be awarded every two years. Jorgen played an integral part in the creation of the prize. When he came to KI in 1996, he had an extensive background in education, something which would bring him and Gunnar together. And I, I had come from another university, Linköping University South, smaller one, who have actually very much developed education as their most important tool within the university. And they, they initiated the problem-based learning. And they thought that would be a really good strategy for, for developing the university. So when I came to Karolinska Institute, they felt that, oh, he, he must be... We must take care of him. <laughs> I became so professor of surgery at the at the Karolinska Institute. Then, oh, he he, he we must uh, try to de- at the same time develop the area and was involved as a wise dean from ninety six to two 
to 99. And 99, I became the Dean of Higher Education and a board for higher education was developed. And at that time, almost after my, when, during my deanship time, Gunnar Höglund came to Karinska Institute to ask us if we were interested in a donation for a prize. In, because he had felt the same as me, that Karinska Institute must do better in education and it has to focus much more on, on education. So it came very suitable. And I was a member of also the Nobel Assembly at, at, the same, at that time at the Karolinska Institute, and, uh, for, which were responsible for the prices in physiology or medicine. We, 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 I looked upon this as a Nobel, could, it could become a Nobel Prize for, for research in medical education. Sadly, Gunnar passed away in 2019. The year previously, he took part in a video interview for the prize where he spoke about his involvement, his passion and his love of art. Here he explains what the prize is about. The Karolinska Institute Prize for Research in Medical Education seeks to draw attention to medical education as an important research area. The prize recognises researchers who by their findings contribute to a better learning. I'm a physiologist. My research area has mainly been sensory physiology, but much of my time has been devoted to educational development. Well, not all medical educators are aware of the fact that medical education can be objectively tested. And as a result, much of the education is still based on tradition rather than on scientific evidence. This situation that a part of medicine is testable but is not objectively tested would hardly be accepted anywhere else in medicine. I met Anastina in medical school and our first date was at the what would then be the Moderna Museet looking at Picasso's Guernica. This was well over 60 years ago. In early, I think, 2000, we thought that could one do something that would be of help to make medical education known as a, an important research area. And um, we came to the idea that an international prize would perhaps be a way to do that. Then together with the Karolinska Institute, we formed institutes for the foundation and the rules for the prize. The Karolinska Institute has uh, been very effective and ambitious in its selection of suitable prize winners. It's been very well made by the Karolinska Institute. Gunnar Hogland speaking before his death in 2019. Professor Brian Hodges from the University of Toronto, Canada, was the recipient of the prize in 2016 and is now a member of the prize committee. With his colleague Robert Paul, they wrote an academic paper on the history of the prize. They explained neither Anastina nor Gunnar came from wealthy families that had a tradition of philanthropic giving. As a result, the decision to become philanthropists emerged from their own life experiences. When asked how and why this happened, Anastina and Gunnar cited five reasons. 
The first reason was that they believed that medical education research was a crucial social policy domain, one that merited support. The second reason was that they were convinced that this domain was materially underfunded and that a moderately sized foundation for Sweden, such as theirs, would be large enough to have a material impact. The third reason offered was that they understood that a moderate amount of money could have a large impact, as medical education research was reasonably low cost, yet foundational to healthcare and professional practice. The fourth reason was that they believed that the creation of a global research prize, the KI Prime, would have the effect of supporting and elevating the educational reputation of KI. The fifth and final reason was simply that they could. Their personal and family needs were moderate, and as a result, they had great freedom in how they could use the proceeds from the sales of their art assets. During the COVID-19 lockdown, I spoke with Professor Hodges about his work, research and connection with the prize, and he told me why Gunnar and Anastina's philanthropy is very rare in the world of medical education. Philanthropy in general has a long history uh, in other areas. And of course, in the paper, we mentioned the Nobel Prizes. So uh, Sweden is is uh, got a long history in the world of, of the creation of the use of philanthropic resources to support science and research. Medical education, however, is a stranger to philanthropy. And in very few parts of the world ha has much been done in the past with supporting medical education or medical education research through philanthropy. Short of the kind of thing you would see in North America, such as a building named after a person or maybe a medical school named after a person. But in this specific area of research, recognizing that medical education research should be treated like biochemistry or physics. This was the brilliance of, of Anastina and Gunnar. They, they argued that medical education research was as important as all other areas of, of knowledge and science and wanted to propel that. So in, in the Swedish context, as we wrote in our paper, this was a fairly new idea. And around the world, um, Although there are a few other examples of, uh, for example, endowed chairs uh, in medical education research, there still remain very few examples of philanthropists supporting this area. Sari Ponzer is Professor of Orthopaedic Surgery at KI, head of the emergency department at Söderjökuset Hospital in Stockholm, and she is currently the head of the prize committee. She knew Gunnar and told me what he was like. Gunnar was a real gentleman. He was always polite always looking forward to things, always coming with new ideas. I, I think I actually met him 2001 or 1999 uh, when I was um, participating in a course for future teachers, I think it was called, and he was, uh, he was um, involved in that course as, a, as a, one of the people that were responsible for the, designing the course. And already that time, he was very caring and... Um, very smart person, actually. And it was also very cute with him and Anastina, his wife, that they have been together so, for so many years. You could see the connection where you, when you met them both in the same time. Annika Osman-Vernischen is a professor of renal and transplantation science at KI, as well as a senior consultant in pathology. She was the Dean of Education and is currently the Academic Vice President of Higher Education. She also met Gunnar at the course almost two decades ago. He's, he was very nice and a very humble person, I would say. I went to a course called uh, Future Teachers at 
KI. It was now 20 years ago. And he was involved in that course. And he he discussed with us and he had always good suggestions. And, and as I say, he was very humble. And he was very interested in your work and gave good advices, I think. But he was also very aware of uh, that it could be problematic to work with education at KI because KI is very famous for the research. Education is quite small compared to the research you have here. So you have to struggle to really get the opportunity to to uh, talk about education and put forward the different problems and questions and also the good things that happen because it's it tend to drown a little in all the re- good research we have. So you have to really be strategic. And, and I think he, he thought a lot about that and wanted to help KI to really uh, show the importance of medical education and medical education research, actually. The passion, insight and generosity of Gunnar and Anastina has enabled this prize to receive broad international acclaim over the years and has been awarded to some exceptional researchers. Many nominees have applied for the prize, all highly respected medics and researchers. But what are the committee looking for and how do they decide who should win? Here's Sari. I think the impact of the research for real life is important. Mm. That it has promoted uh, medical education in somehow. We get a lot of nominations and we are looking at the impact of the research. It's a research prize. So you have to have a lot of publications in good uh, papers, but still the impact of the research for medical education, uh, for teaching, learning is is, uh, very important for this prize. There are a number of steps which have to be followed before the winner is decided. The prize committee have a hard job of evaluating all the nominations and preparing a suggestion to KI. From here, a decision is made on who should be the successful candidate, and this is then approved by the foundation. Annika is one of the committee members responsible for the initial evaluations, and something she looks for is the ability to inspire the next generation. We want people doing good research in medical education with high quality And I think also people who really are dedicated and work in a broad way, I think it's important that people can engage and collaborate international to find networks and uh, really can contribute to to this medical education globally. And uh, also that they are good role models for younger people. So I think it's really important that they can help other, I mean, younger researchers to become as good as they are. Of course, good research and being a good role model, both local, regional and, and international, I think. Inspiring and supporting the next generation of researchers is at the heart of the prize, And a recent initiative by the foundation has been to establish a fellowship programme. Jürgen says this has been a big step in broadening the base for research in medical education. That means that you are focusing on younger, promising researchers in the field. Letting them come to Stockholm, to Karolinska Institutet, for a workshop together with previous uh, laureates. I got the prize. This year it was 14 
young researchers coming from, I think, five continents. And that gives a background or a platform for developing the area because the prize could sometimes be given to those already established, those who have done a lot of things, but is perhaps not as active as they were five, ten years ago. So we have tried to combine the big prize with, with, with a fellowship program focusing on young researchers in the field. And that is something which I think it will be so important for, for the future and the next step to, to develop the area of, of the prize. And the second is perhaps that we are gradually increasing the um, prize sum, the, the, the money in, in the prize. We just increased it with 50% to 75,000 euros. And the, the goal is actually one, that is 100,000 euros. That is 1 million Swedish crowns. And, and it, so the, the price sum is important, but also to broaden the base for research in that field. Professor Brian Hodges is also very proud of the fellowship initiative and believes it's helped to address issues around diversity and opportunity within the field of medical research. I would highlight something that is mentioned in the paper and of which I'm very proud, an initiative of the Hoogland and Malmberg Foundation, and that was to encourage the diversification of, of researchers who would one day win the prize. I love this. I feel personally, although as a Canadian it resonates, absolutely resonates, and with the geopolitical situation resonates, I think this is a strength of Swedish culture, if I might say. I don't want to be reductionist that you know, there's only one, but I do believe Sweden has played a role in the world uh, of inclusion and diversity. So I think uh, the, the foundation recognized that there was a risk that medical education research and expertise was concentrating in certain countries. Um, certainly very strong in Canada, in the United Kingdom, the United States, Northern Europe. And they wanted to do something with uh, the foundation's resources to uh, broaden the idea, access to research, and also to support individuals who were going to do amazing work, but from more parts of the world. So last year they asked the, the, uh, a group of us to create a fellowship program that would identify from all parts of the world emerging researchers whose work was already outstanding and who had leadership potential, who could, with just a little nudge and perhaps uh, interaction with other experts in the world and mentorship, uh, be on a track to one day win the Karolinska Institute Prize in Medical Education. And I think that's been extraordinary. And I would tell you to a long answer to your, your excellent short question, uh, the the kinds of projects they're undertaking are different and are enriching the world of medical education in a way that the prize winners have not to date. So I think the prize winners, the eight, I think it's eight prize winners, have done ex amazing things in medical education. But to share examples, a researcher from South Africa looking at medical education in the South African context, a cognitive psychologist from Singapore talking about how in that culture and that context, knowledge uh, works in the practice of healthcare. Now, a, a scientist from, from, um, who originated in South Asia, who's moved to Europe, 
talking about how knowledge works across contexts and cultures. I mean, these are very exciting things that were, were not, and I would include myself, these were not um, areas of knowledge that were familiar to many of us who have had the honor of winning the prize. So I, I think there's a lot of exciting things emerging from this group. From early conversations two decades ago and a passion which goes back to the 1950s, Gunnar and Anastina have built a legacy and one which continues to grow and inspire. As Brian Hodges wrote in his paper with Robert Paul, one immense legacy of Gunnar and Anastina will be that KI Prime will continue to recognise and stimulate high-quality research in the field and to promote long-term improvements in educational practice, their original vision for the prize. In the next episode of this podcast, we'll hear more from Professor Brian Hodges about his work and research in simulation, assessment and the importance of compassion in healthcare. I hope you can join me then.